Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mind. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to Friday Morning's Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and we're going to be talking about Social Security because it is a topic that you like for us to unpack and help you understand because it is one of the most confusing programs you could ever think about. Well, who would I be talking with? Uh, I'm going to discuss any topic around Social Security. Of course, it's a frequent guest and a guy that we thoroughly enjoy always talking with. Kurt Zarnowski will be at the top half of the hour. And at the end, we're going to talk with Ted Miner, who does a very good job at his practice of specializing in kind of the how do you work through Social Security in your retirement planning, and that's the second half of the program. So I think you'll find that when we get into Social Security, you got those questions, you got those concerns. We want to kind of know what those are. Always, you, you're so great about sending it to us and letting us know these are some questions that we've got, and we'll dive into those a little bit. But before we go to Kurt and to Ted, you know, we're now a year since the all-time high in, uh, for last year, 521.15. The market closed at about 2100, 2131. Well, eh, it's kind of sluggish uh, a little bit now. We're down about 1.6% since then, but that's not something to get too alarmed about. We kind of look at what's happening overall with the market. We always kind of talk a little bit about that. Uh, minutes from the Fed recently, the April meeting, meeting was slightly more hawkish than what was anticipated by some people. That's meaning that there are still talking about raising at least possibly two rate heights for this year. Uh, sometime in 2016, most people are beginning to look at early June, possibly July, and then again September or October. Uh, consumer spending, even though you're looking at a lot of retail people being down as far as the some of the problems with retail, well, the consumer is still pretty confident in, in spending money the way they should. So for the overall con- economy, we've had a very good market week. Uh, this week, and that's a good thing. And I think that we have to understand that um, investors are focused right now on the Fed and the prospect of the rising interest rates. That's normal. And uh, earnings results for April were not that good for the first quarter, were not that good. But yet it seemed like that uh, consumers still spend money. So good, good, good all the way around. That's kind of that short, quick economic update for you as we get started in the program. Again, Kurt Zarnowski is going to be our guest. And to think about it from this standpoint, Social Security payroll tax rate paid by employees has been 6.2% since 1990, except that we did a little kind of a cutback with our stimulus package in 2011 and 2012, reduced it by 2%, but it's back up. We haven't changed it. We're going to find out from Kirk why not. Why haven't we raised that tax? Is it something sacred? Do we need to talk about it? Stay with me. Kurt Zarnowski will be with me when we come back. Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner, registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. 
At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, again, I told you earlier that Kurt Zarnowski is with us. He is the former regional communications director for the Social Security Administration in New England, a position that he held since 1991 and his retirement at that time at 2010. Since then, and he is now the principal for Carson, Carson, oh my goodness, Zarnowski Consulting. I never destroy that. I know I have once or twice. Oh, I always do well. <laughs> Zarnowski Consulting, and that's a retirement planning firm which provides expert answers to your Social Security questions. And here's the thing about Kurt. He is a frequent guest of ours, a great guy, and even though he lives in New England, he is gifted with having relatives, a grandson, in Atlanta. That's a good thing. So, Kurt, welcome to the program, sir. Jim, great to be back with you, and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. You know, we're back in the circuit now of usually I appear about the time a holiday is coming, so it's good to be back. It's good to be back in your regular time slot. That's a good thing. Kurt, one of the things that I think so many people ask us in the the, the firm, and and it's, it's a question that you know, it's, I guess it's a legitimate question because if I was 25 to 35 years old, I might think in my own mind that I shouldn't plan for any form of Social Security to be a part of my retirement plan. There's so much pressure on Social Security to take care of the baby boomers, of which I am one, you're one. And the reality is that they feel that that's a pressure, that feel that's just not going to happen. So in your very educated opinion, I, I really would like to get your thoughts on What's the future of Social Security? Sure, and uh, I'm happy to opine on that. And <laughs> I get that question a lot. It's usually phased uh, as, well, is there going to be anything there for me in the future? And uh, I try and respond in a couple of different ways. First, I always like to remind younger folks in particular that they need to focus on the fact that Social Security is more than just a retirement program. Because I like to respond to folks, say, yes, I believe it will be there for you in the future, but you need to recognize it's also there for you today through the survivor insurance program and the disability program that are part and parcel of what Social Security is in today's country. You know, young workers enter the workforce, think they're going to have that long, slow, steady climb to a very happy retirement. But, Jimmy, you and I know stuff happens to people. And in many cases, when stuff happens, Social Security is there to provide cash assistance to a worker and his family if he becomes disabled, to the family members of a worker who may pass away prematurely. Right now, there's about 4 million kids under the age of 18 who get a Social Security benefit right now because their parent is disabled or their parent has passed away. So really important, first, for younger folks and everyone, actually, to recognize it's more than just a retirement program. But in terms of the future of the program, I also like to say, you've got to basically understand that when the program was created more than 80 years ago, it was put in place to provide folks a base or a foundation 
of income protection that they can count on being there. But it was never intended to be somebody's sole source of income in retirement. People need to understand that, find ways to supplement their Social Security. And the sooner they recognize that, start to take those steps, the more likely they are to have that comfortable retirement. You know, and that that whole question of, is there going to be any there for me in the future? You know, it's important for folks to understand how the Social Security program is financed. It's basically financed primarily through payroll tax contributions, tax that you and I as employees or employers pay, or people who are self-employed. So looking down the road, absent a complete and total collapse of the United States economy, Social Security is always going to have a revenue stream of some sort. So that talk about there won't be anything there, that's, that's really foolish. There'll always be that revenue stream. The issue is, looking down the road, is that revenue stream thought to be enough to cover 100% of the benefits that have been promised? And each year, Social Security's Board of Trustees issues a financial report intends to not only give the current status, but project 75 years in the future. And the 2015 report, the most recent one, says, as currently constituted, assuming no change to the program whatsoever, no increase in taxes, no cuts in benefits, absolute maintenance of status quo, trustees report that Social Security is projected to have enough money on hand to cover between now and the year 2034, 100% of the benefits that have been promised, and that point going forward, while the projection is there won't be enough to cover 100% of the benefits absent some type of changes, it does project that there'll be enough money coming in to cover 79% of the benefits that have been promised over the next 75 years. So it's important to put some context on this in terms of dealing with the long-range future of Social Security. We're talking about a program that does not face any type of immediate crisis. Money is available through the year 2034 to cover all of the benefits that have been promised. And then going forward, it's not like they have to close a 100% funding gap. No, it's how between now and then you come up with some measures that close that 21% funding gap. And that's what's incumbent on Congress to do. Now, in terms of how the program operates, again, it's not altogether dissimilar from somebody's own situation at home. Because with Social Security, you've got money coming in in the form of payroll taxes. You've got money going out in the form of benefits. So at the end of the month at home, if you don't have enough money to meet all of your bills, you've got to do one of two things, right? You've got to either bring some more money in or pay less money out. Or here's an idea. Do a little bit of each. And in terms of looking at the future of Social Security, that's the whole same issue. You can either close that 21% funding gap by just bringing in more money, and we can talk about some of the options for that. But if you close that gap simply by bringing in more money, who are you impacting? Well, younger folks in particular, employers. Or you could close the gap solely by cutting benefits. Well, if you do that, who are you impacting? Well, old folks like you and me, Jim. <laughs> so I think the solution really lies in coming up with a blend, if you will, some reasonable increases on the income side, some reasonable slowdowns on the outflow side, so that Social Security will continue to be able to pay 100% of its promised benefits going forward. On the income side, a couple of thoughts. As an employee and matched by your employer, you pay 6.2% in payroll tax. 
that 6.2% payroll tax rate hasn't changed since 1991. So a possibility as a way to perhaps bring some more money in is increase that, not hugely, maybe by a tenth of a percent or two-tenths of a percent. Each year, there's a maximum level of earnings that are subject to Social Security tax, 118.5 this year. Another way you could bring more money in is maybe bump that up a little bit. On the outflow side, well, we've talked on the show in the past how full retirement age for Social Security benefits has already increased from its original level of 65, age 65, current level of 66, continuing on 67, but life expectancy continues to increase. So perhaps you could bump that increase a little bit higher, tie it in perhaps to increases in life expectancy. Perhaps you could slow down the outflow of benefits by maybe increasing the number of years that Social Security averages in calculating your benefit. Right now, it's your highest 35 years of work that are used, but perhaps you could bump that up a little bit. So there's a number of different solutions out there, but I think the important message for people of all ages, from my perspective anyway, is that I think that basic social insurance program will remain strong going forward. It has changed throughout its now 80-year history, and to think that there won't be additional changes going down the road, that would be foolish. It's changed and adapted as society has changed and adapted, and I think that will continue to happen. But I think you're still going to have this basic foundation where there's a tie between your work and earnings and what you eventually collect. A broad-based social insurance program provides cash assistance, protection against a number of risks, disability, premature death, and then on into retirement. So what the specific form the program will take down the road. I don't know. That's going to be incumbent on Congress to decide, but the message for me is it's going to be there well on into the future because it is just too vitally important a part of um, income security for folks in this country of all ages. You know, Kurt, I think when you started, you you did talk about disability and death, and I think that's sometimes what people forget. So I appreciate you starting with that because that I have some clients that with the children are on Social Security, and I think that's important from the death of the breadwinner, and, and people forget that. And, and again, you know, th- there's one of those thoughts that, you know, they just kind of throw that aside and think only retirement. But Social Security is a big program, big social program. Absolutely. You know, and it is important to recognize it's an insurance program. So you're paying that Social Security payroll tax. And when you focus on the disability and survivorship aspects, you're hoping that you don't need either of those programs. You hope you don't become disabled. You hope you don't pass away prematurely. Much in the same way, though, you own a home. You pay property insurance on your home. You don't sit there and hope your house burns down so you get your premiums back. No, you recognize you paid those homeowner policy premiums to protect you in case something happens, but you're certainly hoping that nothing will happen. It has to be the same way with Social Security. You need to recognize that those payroll tax dollars you're paying, particularly as a younger worker, are providing a measure of protection in case something happens, but you shouldn't be sitting there hoping you get your money back from that aspect of the program. And then down the road, you do qualify for retirement benefits, assuming you have made it to that 
you know, ripe old age where uh, you're looking for that safe, secure, comfortable retirement I reference. Well, that's the key. If you just tuned in, we're talking with Kurt Zarnowski and our Zarnowski Consulting Retirement Planning Firm, which provides expert answers, as you've been listening, to your Social Security questions. And the key is Kurt does a great job of, of what you just did was walk through a very simple yet easy to very simple and easy to understand dialogue about all the benefits of Social Security. And, Kurt, I think so many people, as you said, we forget all of the benefits, and I appreciate what you did. Let me ask you this. We went through this bipartisan budget bill of 2015. We had multiple programs leading up to that. The magical date of April the 13th, 2016, started the program. Give us your take on where we are now. What changes um, do we need to be planning for? What is the consumer to be be thinking? What did they lose? What did they gain? Just a a quick dialogue about that. Sure. It was the bipartisan budget bill of 2015, signed uh, at the end of 2015, made changes to two claiming strategies that couples had been utilizing as a way to optimize or maximize their lifetime social security payments. We've talked about this before. One was called File and Suspend. The other called Claim Some Now, Claim More Later. The File and Suspend, you know, as I talk to folks, people say, oh, they eliminated File and Suspend. Well, actually, you know, the, the change in the law didn't eliminate File and Suspend. Somebody at full retirement age now can still, if they choose to, apply for Social Security benefits and ask to have their payments suspended. But what the law did was eliminate the advantages and or benefits, really, that flowed from someone filing and suspending. Because in the old days, prior to April 30th, if you had filed and suspended prior to April 30th, one of the advantages was, even though you weren't collecting a payment, if you weren't collecting, you'd be accruing delayed retirement credits, you'd be growing your benefit, two-thirds percent per month, 8% per year going forward. But under the old rules, even though you weren't being paid because you'd have to have your payment suspended, Social Security would pay money to anyone else who might be eligible to collect on your account, a spouse or minor children. That's what's gone away. If you file and suspend after April 30th, or after, I'm sorry, April 29th, after April 29th, yes, you can still file and suspend, but if you ask to have your payment suspended, Social Security now required to also suspend the benefits to anyone else who might be collecting, meaning that spouse will only receive that spousal benefit if you're actually collecting yourself. The other benefit under file and suspend in the past was that if you had filed and suspended, you retained the right to go back to Social Security and ask to have any and all of those payments that had been held repaid to you in a lump sum. This was another insurance policy, basically. You could ask to have your payments suspended, accrue delayed retirement credits, but if the situation changed, you need the money, you could get all of those benefits back if you asked. Under the new rules, you file and suspend after April 29th. You no longer have the right to get those payments that have been held repaid in a lump sum. Social Security will only resume your benefit payments effective with the month after the month you contact them. So again, file and suspend is still an option, but what the law has done is ring out the advantages that had flowed from filing and suspending, and I think that was the intention of of, of Congress. Um, The other big change was something called Claim Some Now, Claim More Later. That was a spousal benefit situation. You had one member of the couple collecting. The other member of the couple intends to wait till age 70, for example, before collecting. If that other member of the couple waited until full retirement age, they could go to Social Security at that point. 
ask for and receive just a spousal benefit without having to take their own. They'd receive 50% of the other member of the couple's full retirement age amount, but they'd be able to defer collecting their own. So they'd be accruing delayed retirement credits, but at the same time, they'd be paid something, the spousal benefit. And this strategy made it a little more palatable for somebody, that second member of the couple, to defer collecting his or her own retirement benefits. Under the old rules, you had to be at full retirement age to have that option of picking and choosing, if you will. If you went to Social Security prior to full retirement age, you didn't have that option. The law said you were deemed to be applying for both your own benefit and a spousal benefit, and Social Security would pay you one or the other, whichever one was higher. You didn't have a choice. The new option, I'm sorry, the new rules apply to anyone born January 2nd, 1954 or later. The new rules say you go to Social Security at whatever age you're at, you no longer have the option of picking and choosing. You no longer have the option of taking just the spousal benefit and allowing your own to grow. You're going to be deemed to be applying for both, and you'll collect one or the other, whichever one is higher. But that does mean that anyone who was born January 1st, 1954 or earlier, meaning they were age 62 or older at the end of last year, will still have the option at full retirement age of taking advantage of this claim some now, claim more later strategy. So over the course of the next three and a half years, this strategy will be phased out. File and suspend, yeah, long gone hard to find as of the benefits as of April 30th, but with this claim some now, claim more later strategy, it's still an option for folks, something you and planners and individuals should be aware of over the course of the next three and a half years or so if they we're 62 or older at the end of last year. This is still going to be an option for them when they reach full retirement age. Kurt, you you do such a good job because I think what I want the listeners to understand, and this is something that so many times, if you've missed some of this, what Kurt was telling you, just go to the iTunes store, click on Shoemaker Financial, go to the podcast, Social Security, Kurt Zarnowski. You know, you can't get it explained any cleaner and, and Kurt, I, I don't know that you, you're one of the, the guests that we enjoy having because you don't spend an enormous amount of time chasing rabbits. You go through the specific, specifics for us. Is there anything else? I mean, it's kind of like if you kind of closed it out, we've got about 30, 45 seconds here. Can you close it out and tell me what do we think about Social Security and how do we work with it? Well, I think you need to, again, close with the point I started with. Just vitally important to recognize provides you a base or foundation of income protection, but it's a base that you got to take steps to supplement because it was never intended to be your only source of income in retirement. For about 26% of retiree couples these days, that money that comes in from Social Security is virtually the only income they have. Terrible situation. You don't want that to happen to you. Plan for retirement. Plan for survivorship issues. Plan for disability. And recognize the program provides you that base but you need to find ways to supplement it. You do that, you're going to be well-positioned going down the road. And for the future of Social Security, Mark Twain once said reports of his demise are greatly exaggerated. I think reports of Social Security's demise greatly exaggerated as well. It's going to be around on into the future, changing and adopting 
but continuing to provide that base of income protection that people can count on being there for them. Uh, well said. Well said. As always, Kurt Zanowski, Zarnowski Consulting, talking about Social Security, always does a good job. Kurt, thank you. Happy Memorial Day, man. Have a great weekend, and uh, stay inside. Don't get too much sun. Oh, no, I'm going out to play golf right now. Life All is right. good. Bye Very right, good, man. Thank you so much. Have Take a great care. weekend. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Yep. Kurt Zarnowski, when we come back, Ted Miner is going to tie this together for us, and how do we put it together on specifics? He's got some statistics I want you to hear. Stay with me. Ted Miner coming back. Schumacher Financial and Security and Financial Services are not affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. Schumacher Financial and Security and Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice, and since every situation is unique, individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Keisha Parrish at 901-757-5757 or email at kparish at shoemakerfinancial.com. Shoemaker Financial and Security and Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. All right, I got a question for you before we go to Ted. Do we remind everybody that they can listen to this program on a podcast, that they can go down to iTunes, Shoemaker Financial? Do we do that? Yeah. Did you already do that today? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in charge of that, right? Yeah. Okay, so we got and it. You've, and you've said it a couple <laughs> of times, too. Is your memory slipping? Yeah, I guess it is. It's uh, He's on drugs. Yeah, I'm right. kidding. <laughs> you know, I mean, the reason why I say that, because, uh, you know, Kurt just gave us a ton of information. You're about to listen to Ted Miner, who's going to talk to you about what are some of the common mistakes that he sees in his practice. And it, you can't get it all in this. Oh, no. It's, uh, we jam it through an hour. So this is a program that I guarantee you I'll go back and listen to because Kurt just gave us an enormous amount of information. Ted's going to do the same thing. So I wanted to remind everybody, I'm just checking, you know, see oh, if you're yeah. doing your job. All you have to do, go to, to the iTunes store, search for Shoemaker Financial. You got it. It's the see, best way to do Teddy, it. Teddy, do that nice. Such a good voice, too. Such a great voice. You know, God did not give I'm not sure what God did give me, but he didn't give me a good radio voice. My guest, Ted Miner, he is in practice with us at Shoemaker Financial, does a wonderful job with his clients. And I get so many cards and notes and calls about what Ted does with his clients. If you want to talk to Ted, give him a call at 757-5757. Great person to answer questions eye-to-eye, contact him about Social Security. He does a lot of seminars about Social Security and uh, gets a tremendous amount of people coming to him. But, Ted, in your practice, you have a lot of people that come in, and, and they've made some mistakes. I mean, it's and you're trying to fix those mistakes. Tell me about some of the common mistakes that you see with that client that, that thinks they're doing the right thing. Well, Jim, I think the biggest thing is, and, and the statistics overwhelmingly support this, is that uh, the mentality, one of the mentalities I think people have when they come up to uh, retirement is that, hey, I'm getting ready to retire. I've got to take Social Security. And, of course, you the don't. The key word there being I got to. That's right. And they think that, uh, you know, they, they, they put those two dates. I'm leaving June. i got to start Social Security in June or July. And, and those two dates do not have to be the same. Of course, that means you got to have some assets somewhere to uh, to be able to live through that period of time. 
when we get together and we start talking, most people, the biggest mistake is people come to the time of selecting Social Security without the knowledge of Social Security. Mm. Uh, statistics tell us that uh, people uh, overwhelmingly, nearly 50%, I think 48, in 2013, 48% of the women, 42% of the men selected 62 as the date to start taking their Social Security benefits. Well, that's a huge mistake today because of longevity. You know, I was reading an interesting statistic. Uh, I had not known this, but, at, you know, at the turn of the century, at 1900, the life expectancy from birth for a male or for man was 47.3 years. That's wow. increased. Listen, here's what's interesting. That's increased 31 years to 78 today. Jim, we've been increasing longevity at the tune of about a quarter of a year every year. That's that's huge. So people aren't thinking in those terms. They're thinking, my dad did this, my grandpa did this. And they're not thinking that they're going to be taking Social Security for probably 15, 20, as much as 30 years. And they need to be thinking about maximizing that amount of money. That's a, that's a critical <clears throat> point because I, I do think people <clears throat> don't realize. I mean, we've got clients that are nine, in their 90s. I, we had their Memphis May Barbecue. And my poster child, I, I know they listen to the program. They're, they're a wonderful couple. They drove to the you know they were the first ones there he's 92 she's 88 and, and they're still going as strong as you know I, you know i mean i took a picture of them and you know it was great to see them there the reality is we are living longer and yet people as you said almost 50 percent take social security before you know it's 62 as a matter of fact only four percent of the women two percent of the men took it at 70 which shows the, the, the skewing of that number. And, and I didn't even give the reason as to why that's bad. The reason it's bad is that for a person that takes it at 62, their full retirement, their full retirement age, which whatever that age is, 66 or, or 67, uh, that number is reduced by 25% if they take it at 62. So they're going to get 75% of their full retirement. That's correct. If it's 1000 yeah, they'd get $750. They get $750. However, if they wait to 70 they get 32% more or $1,320. The difference in that number is 76%. And if you're going to live another 20 years, it ends up being a significant amount for couples. It ends up being, it could be end up being a quarter of a million dollars. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a break. I'm going to have Rebecca go through the Mid-South history moment for us, which everybody likes. It's one of the popular things of the program. Mm -hmm. But when we come back, what are some of the important things that you ask the question that they need to consider? I mean, there's a lot of things, whether it's be income, working, health, all those things. Help me get through that with our clients okay. when we come back. You're listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest is Ted Miner. Stay tuned. We've got Rebecca Brasher. She's going to talk to us about a very popular segment of the program. Mid-South History Moment. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Talk Money will return right after this. On September 26, 1933, all the members of the John Dillinger Gang escaped from prison in Michigan City, Indiana in the early morning hours. What is not well known is that the FBI arrested notorious Memphis gangster and bootlegger George Machine Gun Kelly that same morning on the order of J. Edgar Hoover. Kelly had kidnapped Oklahoma City tycoon Charles Urschel and had been on the run for over 50 days before the FBI caught up with him in Memphis. Kelly surrendered to the FBI and Memphis police without a fight. The trials that follow were significant because they were the first kidnapping trials in the United States after kidnapping was made a federal offense. 
They also marked the first time that defendants were moved by airplane, and it was the first major crime solved by the FBI. George Kelly and his wife were convicted and sentenced to life in prison. George spent 17 years in Alcatraz before being transferred to Leavenworth. He died three years later of a heart attack on his 59th birthday. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Ted Miner, and again, the popular subject of the day, Social Security. And it's amazing that we have people that go through this process. It's a part of their planning. It's part of retirement. Or, or as Kurt told us earlier in the early per, first half of the program, it's a part of that death or disability. And yet people get so confused about what is Social Security and how it's supposed to work. And I know, Ted, in your practice, you are asking a ton of questions. You're going through this with them I've had people call me back and say, hey, Ted did a wonderful job. It's the first time I've ever understood Social Security. That's a gift that you have that you can take, a, I think, a fairly complicated subject to some people and put it in a, in a vernacular that says this is understandable. This is how it applies to you. What are some of the things that you try to get them to consider when you're talking with them? Well, certainly, Jim, first of all, the magnitude of what Social Security is. I mean, over the course of a retirement today, I was doing some figures with someone last night, and uh, they can expect if they live to 90 years old, which is probably, which is it's a good, good assumption, sure, that they'll uh, collect nearly $2 million. Let's talk Security. about that. You said 90 years old. I, I can just, just clear it up because I, I think what we just said, it's reasonable. From a planning perspective, okay, we have to think 90. Oh, absolutely. Because if they don't live to being 90, then okay, that was okay. But if they live to 90 and we didn't, we said, oh, 75, 78, 80, we've made a terrible mistake. Now, when I got into business, if I got to 65 and retired, uh, you know, if he lived to be 72 to 74, I was done. I pretty That was kind of the mortality table at that time. And as you were saying earlier, it's going up, you know, every year, about a quarter of a year. And you're exactly right. So maybe not 90. Maybe somebody can look me in the eye and say, hey, I'm not going to live to be 90. And I won't disagree. I want to agree with that, disagree with that. But the reality is from a planning's part, from what we have to do in the planning process, you've got to think 90. Well, even further than that, uh, when you think about when you've got a couple that you're working with, you have to realize, first of all, that, that the person that is the the biggest wage earner is going to get the biggest benefit. And so you want the biggest bang for that because whatever he receives or she receives is going to last over two lives. So even if he is unhealthy, he's got to think about his wife or she's unhealthy. She has to think about her husband because if he takes his benefit early. That means that the survivor benefit is going to be reduced greatly. So you try to you try to really encourage that that uh, that person to really wait till seventy to maximize and that benefit. The insurance commissioners today and their mortality tables tell us that if there's <clears> two <throat> people and they're reasonably healthy at sixty five, one of them will live to be ninety. And so we have to think about that. You know, for a woman that goes into retirement, it is there's a twenty five percent chance if she is at sixty five, there's a twenty five percent chance she'll reach ninety six. A fifty percent chance that she'll reach ninety. And I think the scary thing from my standpoint is that uh, while I'm trying to get people to think about 90 and 95, 
that by the time they get there, it may be 100 and 110. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. You know, yeah. and, and that's what that's what concerns I, me. I know that the press <clears throat> is just now beginning to give any type of insight into this longevity picture. We've kind of pushed that aside. It is a part of it. You talked earlier about waiting, you know, and the, the fact if you start at 62, you're taking a 70 percent. You know, it's only going to get 70 percent. You're taking about a 25 to 30 percent cut if you wait to age 70. I'm shocked that the statistic says that only 4 percent of men Four percent, I believe what you said, four percent of men or two percent of men at sixty-six wait till seventy. And uh, Jim, I've t- I've sat and talked to people that have and yet started, they're still working. Yeah, I, I, that was that was the point I was going to make. I know people who are actually sitting there taking Social Security and they're still working. And that's the first question we talk about: what's the what's the what? How realistic is it that you'll actually be doing income? Because there are restrictions before full retirement age in terms of how much Social Security you can actually take and, and the penalties. And the penalties are pretty stringent. And the income, the, the level of income, if you're over $15,000, they start taking money away. So that's certainly the first question that you, you try to investigate with someone. All right. We talked earlier about, you know, why do people take it earlier? And you said, you know, because they can, you know, I mean, and that's kind Mom of... Mom and Dad did. Yeah, yeah, you know, grandparents did and things like that. And fear, the fear of the system not being there. You've talked about that before. I've heard you say that. Um they stop working, and so they think, okay, I'm not ever going to go do anything else, so I'm going to take it. And those are legitimate. Now, take me inside your practice, okay, and you're, you know, working with this couple, and what are some of the things that, that when you work with them that you try to uncover uh, to, to help them gain insight, do a better job of planning, and make better decisions? Jim, one of the first things, and I think this is probably one of the most difficult things for someone to do, especially if they've lived a comfortable life is to understand what it costs them to live. Um, you know, a person that has been making a good income, they've, they've, they've gone where they wanted to go, they've, ate, they've, they've, they've gone to dinner when they wanted to uh, go to dinner, they've, they've, had, they've gone to the movies. They've, they've had discretionary income. That's right, and, and they haven't had to think about that. So one of the first things we've got to do is we've got to find out what kind of lifestyle and what it takes to support that lifestyle. And then we start, once we get that number, and it's got to be a realistic number and a number that they buy into, that they say, yes, this is what it costs me to live, then certainly we start looking at all the other assets that are available to them. Now, I know other financial planners that have made decisions, look, we're not going to spend assets. We're going to, we're going to take Social Security early. Well, I don't know of a, return, a guaranteed 8% return that I can guarantee a client no. today. And with inflation as low as it is today, uh, there's, there's very few good, uh, uh, good payoffs uh, that, that equal waiting on the Social Security check for the next year. What about the person that's uh, divorced, got a previous marriage and, and wants to think about that, or she maybe is the divorcee and was not the big breadwinner? What, what to me with that? You know, you, you mentioned divorce. I think that's one of the things that you end up uncovering. Uh, people do not, they don't realize that there are benefits to Exes. Uh, I, I had a I had a woman in. Uh, uh, it was two years ago. I found out she actually she she was married for ten years, which qualified her for survivor benefits or spousal benefits from her husband. She's been divorced for thirty. She was already in retirement, and these are benefits she could have already been getting, mm. and she had no knowledge of them. Mm. And so, and she hadn't turned her own her own on, and she had the option of turning his on. She there was no knowledge of that, and so I think today. Because, you know, divorce rates are very high. There's a lot of people out there with those benefits that are available to them, 
or there's certainly benefits that can be coordinated with their other benefits to maximize their Social Security that they're unaware of. And if you just tuned in, you're obviously you can tell we're talking with someone that does this on a day-to-day basis with his clients. Telephone number 757-5757, Ted Miner. Just simply uh, asked uh, if you got a question, just give him a call, ask him a question uh, about this particular subject because, again, it's a subject that I think so many people – misunderstand and uh, don't get started in the right direction. As you just said, that's a perfect example. But Ted, let me, let me, let me dive into this part. We have a tendency to put social security in a, in a box. Instead of it being a planning tool, we look at it as this benefit that's just there. You look at it as a planning tool. You talked about it from a standpoint of the overall financial plan. Help me understand that. Well, first of all, Social Security income, a dollar from Social Security is worth better is, is worth more than a dollar out of my, my IRA. Mm. Uh, number one is it's not it's never fully taxed. At the most, it's eighty five percent taxed, and it's. Uh, when you say eighty five percent taxed, what do you mean? You, not eighty five percent tax. No, eighty five percent of <laughs> it is taxed. Okay. Uh, so there's always a fifteen percent reduction in the tax of, on Social Security, even if you got a lot of income. Uh, the other thing is that it's one of the very few benefits, even pensions today. There may be a couple of them, but very few pensions today have a COLA mm-hmm. associated with it. So if you're maximizing... Time out. COLA. Cost of living adjustment. You know, he uses these terms that, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm, you know I'm listing. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. okay, it goes up with inflation. Right. And Social Security benefits have averaged going up over the last 20 years about 2.2%. So... Uh, they didn't get anything this year. No, and it it has to be inflation. So if you've got, uh, you know, hyperinflation, it's at least going up to a maximum of 2%. Right. But the reality is it at least goes up where that, pensions normally don't. That's right. It's, it's tied to a consumer price index. Right. So, so really to maximize this benefit where it's got lower taxes, it's got a cost of living adjustment associated with it is very, very important. And also, if we're trying to maximize that, that also, and I mentioned previously that that's one of the first things we attack when I'm sitting down with a client. We want to try to maximize this benefit because it means so much. Now, it, on average, it's about 40% of a person's income in retirement. Uh, and there's, I mean, there's some significant statistics, certainly the lower income people. There's uh, 53% of couples, it's over 50% of their income. 74% of singles, it's over 50% of their income in retirement. Where'd you get that statistic? That statistic uh, came from the Social Security uh, fact, fact sheet. Okay, okay. Now, again, that's big numbers. And so getting the maximum benefit <clears throat> takes someone like yourself, especially as you keep telling me that people come in misunderstanding the implementation of what to do. So you t- you start with a a fact finder. You start with because you, you told me this before. You start with trying to understand. You don't just throw figures out at the first meeting. What? Give me kind of that first interview with you. No, I, actually, I have a, a great uh, piece of software that I'm able to use. It's um, it's uh, I have the ability to go into it, and we get the first place we start. And I would recommend anyone on here the first place they need to start is go to www.ssasocialsecurityadministration.gov. Get on there and sign in, and they can get access to their information. They need to become familiar with the data that they have. We start with that information, and we'll put it in a uh, a piece of software, and then we do some we do some what ifs with it. Uh, okay, look, what happens if we take it at sixty two? What does that mean? What happens if we take it at sixty six? What does that mean? 
and they can see those numbers changing change in front of them. right before their eyes. They can see the total amount. We can say, let's assume there's no inflation. Let's assume there's two percent inflation. And uh, I think that's the first eye opener that people have. And when they when they say if they took it at sixty two versus taking it at seventy, and they lived to ninety, you mean there's and there's two of them. You mean there's two hundred thousand dollars difference? Yes, it can be. So, so you're taking the time to walk this with them so they can see it. Not you Absolutely. telling it to them, but you're letting them see it. And I, after that, I give them a printout. It's a, it's a, they can go home and study it. They can look at it. But it gives them a realistic idea of really how much Social Security can mean to them in retirement. So if you tuned in again, Ted Miner, seven five seven five seven five seven. Again, I can't stress this. this is, Social Security is not a simple thing to do, and we get so confused and make terrible mistakes. I wanted Ted on the program with Kurt because Kurt gives us the big 30,000-foot overview of what's going on. Ted takes it down into the weeds and teaches us how to use it to best utilize what we're trying to accomplish. Ted, we've just got a minute left, a little minute and a half. Again, help me understand your initial thought process with anybody coming in to talk about Social Security? Well, again, I'm, I'm trying to find out what they want, certainly their goals. I want to do everything I can to try to help meet their needs. If they've got a, if they've got a picture of what retirement's going to be like, if they've got a goal of when they, when they want to leave. And then, you know, if there's some realistic things that I need to bring to their attention, did you consider this? Did you think about that? Then it's a matter of getting information to them that allows them to make better decisions. Sometimes that decision may be, there may be a huge difference in their the perspective of having a decent income in retirement by waiting one more year. And I think, you know, I think make sure, making sure they have that information is, uh, is my best role. Well, if you just tune in, Ted Miner, if you're interested in having Ted be a speaker for you, uh, for a if you've got a club, a church, or anything like that, does an excellent job. He's got a great seminar on Social Security. Let me encourage you to give him a call. Again, that telephone number, 757-5757. You've been listening to Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consulting. We talked about Social Security with Kurt. Ted Miner, excellent job on the implementation. What do you put together into it? How do you do it? That's the most important part. And again, I think, you know, I've got a board operator and a producer that does a wonderful job, Art Frederick. Guest and content coordination at Francis Fortner, production assistant Eleanor Moskovitz. Of course, Mid-South History Moments, read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. I've enjoyed you being a part of today's program. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm Jim Shoemaker here every Friday, helping you make the most of your money.
Jim Shoemaker and Ted Miner, registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.